This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 270 of Youpreneur FM. And if you are an entrepreneur that is wanting to build a business around you, your personality, the problems that you solve, and the people that you want to serve, you are in the right place, my friend. Oh, man, do I have a treat lined up for you today. The one and only Clay Collins is on the show. That is right. The founder and the chairman of the board of Lead Pages joins us to talk about his entrepreneurial journey, how he's pivoted, and how he's doing some incredible things in an industry now that you probably wouldn't imagine him getting involved with just a few short years ago. However, before we get into the conversation with Clay, I just want to say a massive thank you to each and every single one of you who have picked up a copy of my new book, Rise of the Youpreneur, since we launched a couple of weeks ago. I've had so much fun reading all of the reviews on Amazon and checking out all of the tweets and Instagram and Facebook posts of you posing with a book in the wild and doing all that sort of fun stuff. You know, this is a movement. This isn't just about a book launch. Uh, this thing is not going to be here today and gone tomorrow. It's going to be around for a long, long time. Honestly, it's going to turn into my life's work. I genuinely feel that. So if you supported me and the movement and what we're all about here at Youpreneur FM uh, by picking up a copy, thank you so much. And if you haven't, fear not. You can do so by heading over to riseoftheupreneur.com or just for searching for the book title on Amazon. Amazon really is the best place to buy it because you're going to get a discounted rate there. But uh, yeah, if you haven't already picked up a copy, please go ahead and do so. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com today for more info. So myself and Clay have known each other for many years, but believe it or not, this is actually the first time. It's mad. It's taken 270 episodes to get him on the show. He does like me. I I mean, I think he likes me. But, uh, you know, ships in the night and all that sort of type of thing. And, and, you know, not to mention the fact that he's been building a business worth 45 gazillion billion trillion dollars. You know, that's probably uh, got in the way a little bit as well. But Clay's here actually, finally, to talk about his own entrepreneurial journey, some of the struggles that he had starting out, some of the moves and the pivots that he made, particularly in regards to the content that he was creating and how that led to what became Lead Pages. And let me tell you something, the one thing that I see here more than anything else is that he just listened. He listened 
to his community, to his audience. And that ultimately led him to build an incredible business. You're going to really, really enjoy this conversation with me and Clay. So here we go. Clay Collins, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's so good to have you on the show. I, it's, I mean, it's a finally situation right now, right? We, we, we should have done this literally years ago, I think. It's been a long time in the making. Glad, glad it happened. I know we got it now. You, no pressure, but you got to bring the heat now. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Well, look, it's it's been a while since on the show we've had like a really good, solid entrepreneurial kind of inspiration type story, and I mean. Your, you know, your kind of whole rise here online over the last four, five, six years or so. Um, I mean, some will say that it's been a long time coming. You would probably agree with that. But I mean, I remember reading your blog. And then I remember your vlogs when you started vlogging. And you had like, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you had like a brick wall behind you and maybe a staircase, I think, at one point yeah. or something. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going back a few years here, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've done a lot. I've tried a lot of different things. There's been a lot of trial and error, made more mistakes than I've gotten things right. But it's been a fun journey. Well, I think, you know, if you're not making mistakes and you're not learning, ultimately, I mean, that's the way I look at it anyway. I love I love to learn by my mistakes. But the most important thing is that you don't repeat the same ones over and over and over again. Um, you certainly haven't. So let's start breaking this down a little bit. And I'd like to go back, actually, to those early days of the whole blogging, vlogging, just for a few minutes here. So you were you were blogging, and you, but you were like what we would call those one of those kind of epic bloggers, right? You were writing these huge, long pillar posts, um, and then you thought, screw this! Like this is taking me days to create a blog post. I'll just turn on the video camera. Talk us through that time a little bit. Yeah, so I had a marketing blog back in the day, and to back up even more than that like i was one of those kids that had a lemonade stand when i was really young i when i was even younger than that i tried to sell dirt you know in a paper bag because i went to the local nursery store and they were selling like soil and i was like wow you could buy uh dirt for five dollars i was like i have plenty of dirt i could sell dirt so i've been an entrepreneur <laughs> my whole life probably can't tell that whole story but um at at some point i found myself doing marketing uh, training and consulting because that's what I was most passionate about at the time. And I used to write these really long kind of in between 2,000 and 4,000 word blog posts where I would hone and refine this intellectual point that I wanted to make. And this was kind of during the heyday of blogging. So I would get maybe 12 to 15 comments on that blog per blog post. And I remember thinking when I saw Gary Vaynerchuk publishing these wine videos, and by the way, Gary was getting millions of views. Crazy at the time, absolutely mad. Yeah, yeah. considering yeah. that, like you know, that the audience on YouTube back then was you know, it was like a scratch compared to what it is oh, now. Yeah, he was so. on Viddler. He he wasn't even getting like. Oh, that's right. Being, yes, yeah. he was on Viddler. I remember. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. Not even around anymore. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So so he was he was blowing up and I remember watching his process he would grab a few wines off the shelf at the little wine shop that he worked at and he would he wouldn't edit the video at all he would just taste the wine on camera and he would just go 
and it would take him maybe 12 to 15 minutes and he'd have an episode done. Now, of course, there's promotion and, you know, you got to post it and all that stuff. But the amount of time that it took him to create sort of that core piece of content was not a huge investment. And I remember thinking like, damn it, I'm spending two to three days creating one of these long form blog posts and Gary is like ripping these out. And meanwhile, I'm ripping my hair out. <laughs> and how can I produce content like this? And that led me to start reviewing landing pages. I wanted to create content in a way that allowed me to be more prolific. So I started taking landing pages that we had created for our customers. And I hired a uh, designer who was 18 years old at the time from Brazil. I found him on 99designs. And uh, there was a website called HTML Burger. And I would, I would have these landing page templates created. And then I would uh, hire this company in India for 99 bucks to turn those landing page template designs into HTML and CSS. And I'd give them away. And all of a sudden, I was getting more comments, more visits, more interaction than I mm -hmm. had ever gotten before. And that really taught me the power of leverage. And I think it also taught me the power of creating content in a way that really syncs up with your DNA. I, I don't think that there's one right way to produce content. I think that there's a right way for every individual to produce content and it, and it changes. And you really have to be at a place where you understand your voice. You have to understand what you have a passion for saying and you have to have a passion for, or you know, you have to have knowledge of your own kind of limitations and where your energy flows and, and where it doesn't. But once I stumbled upon that formula, things really took off in terms of building and growing an audience. And so, I mean, I mean, you, but you grew this audience quickly. Like it wasn't yeah. something that you know. I mean, it was literally in the matter of a year you had thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh consuming your content more importantly sharing the content which kind of created that viral effect to everything when did the when did the idea to sort of turn this whole thing into lead pages you know from the from the blog to the vlog to the templates to the giving away and all the rest of it when did lead pages hit you like what was the moment where you said to yourself oh my god it's lead pages this is it yeah that's that's a great question you know, it came from the comment section, and I think a lot of good business ideas come from being in the trenches totally. with your with your audience. You know, there's this – I think there's this myth that your audience is going to tell you exactly what product to make. They're going to tell you what to price it and what form it should be and what the offer should be and what the bonus should be, and you can be – kind of an insecure person meekly asking a bunch of people exactly what to make for them and then you just you're like an order taker and you turn around and you like fulfill the order and it's not like that at all I think you know so what happened was I was I was posting these landing page um, templates and people would show up in the comments and they would ask things like you know how do I post this to WordPress so people were literally taking the zip files and uploading them to WordPress and expecting it to work like a WordPress plugin or people would say, how do I integrate this with, um, you know, MailChimp or Salesforce or how do I run a split test or post this to Facebook? And I, I realized that, you know, that there was there was just a lot you could do with a landing page. It wasn't just about the HTML and the CSS. So, it, you know, at first I was pissed. I was like, what does everyone want for free? There's there's like <laughs> this complaining. There's just all this complaining. Um, happening in the comments and and then I thought well maybe there's an opportunity here usually when there's there's pain you know my personal pain or their pain 
you know, there's an opportunity here. So mm. I, I went to the audience and uh, I asked them if this is something that perhaps I could make for them. And if I did, uh, if I did create a product around their needs, if they'd be willing to pay for it. And the answer I got back was mostly a yes. It wasn't like, yes, Clay, this is what you were born to do. Here's my money. <laughs> take you know, all our all cash, that. right? Yeah. yeah take all our, <laughs> it, but it, but it, but it was mostly positive. And, um, so we did a, you know, we did a, a, a pre-sale. We got 200 people to give us 200 bucks and, uh, we hired, uh, an engineer in the Czech Republic to build the first version of it. He had it done in like two and a half months and uh, we launched it, and uh, it uh, it was okay at first, <laughs> uh, but it but it got better over time. And we shipped a new either a new template or a new integration or a new kind of major feature every week there at the beginning. Mm. And I think the audience could tell that we were really responsive. Like you know they they'd ask for something in the comments, and then two weeks later it would be done. And I I think that kind of created this dynamic where people following the blog got to be part of the story about how the product came to be. They were like protagonists in, in this narrative of the, the birth and creation of, of this product. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a really good time. You know, I th I think the big thing for me, remembering that those early days as well. And I mean, I've been a lead pages customer for the longest time. I, I years and years and years and years and an affiliate as well. And I mean, for me, the big thing for me was that it was clearly obvious that you guys were serious. And I think that was, for me, that was something that was important to me as a prospective customer because, you know, there was a lot of other things going on online with things like pop-up companies and we're not going to name names or anything like that where you know they they were they were doing all these things to kind of jump on that lead generation and list building kind of bandwagon um and on the surface some of it actually looked half decent but then once you start started kind of you know digging a little further down um you realize that really there was no support there they, there were no ears there at all they weren't listening in any way shape or form um and for me looking back that was the big thing i i clearly remember thinking to myself damn this guy's not messing around like they're serious um and i and i think that was probably you know that was honestly the thing that that got me in on those early days it, it, it wasn't really necessarily the the product per se uh it, it was you and and your team and what you were building and, and the vision that you guys had wow that's and that's really astute of you yeah so we used to have this saying and it was like, we're not effing around. So I don't, I don't know if I can curse on here, but I'll just say like, <laughs> we're not effing around. And what we meant by that was that, you know, we felt like the population that was served by our competitors, basically there, you know, there was a lot of stuff out there at the time for agencies and fortune 500 companies and, and stuff like that. But there really wasn't anything out there for small and medium sized businesses other than, kind of crappy WordPress plugins mm -hmm. that were built by, you know, software teams that weren't super serious about it. And so, you know, our thought was maybe we could come in with sort of, you know, high-end support with a real software as a service product with, you know, modern development practices, a modern tech stack, and and really show everyone that, that we were serious. And, and, and that by itself would be a differentiator. And I've come to learn that in a lot of ways that kind of is my 
entrepreneurial pattern. I think I think every entrepreneur does have a pattern. So if you look at someone like Ev Williams, who created um, you know uh, Blogger, which got sold to Google, and then he had a podcasting platform which didn't take off, but then that turned into Twitter. And then he did Medium and, and is doing Medium. It's like, it's just content, content, content. So that guy has a clear pattern. And I think my, my pattern is coming into markets that are about to cross the chasm or that are kind of developing and then, you know, coming in with a really serious product and professionalizing the space. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that Lead Pages really did was it professionalized the space and it not just. It, it didn't like we weren't the only ones that professionalized. I, I think that it it lifted the entire market up in a way which I'm I'm kind of proud of. Well, absolutely, you should be as well. And I mean, it's gone, you know, from strength to strength to strength. Um, and I mean, what what are we looking at now in terms of how many people are actually using lead pages right now actively? Yeah, so so across so paying customers across uh, drip and lead pages, uh, we're at uh, fifty thousand uh, paying customers. Okay, and so yeah, I'm glad that you brought up drip. What you acquired them middle of last, not last year, a uh, two thousand yeah two thousand sixteen ish something like that. Uh, yep, that's. I, I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember that. Like okay, June two thousand sixteen. Okay, so. What was the thought process behind that? I mean, bit of a loaded question. I've got a pretty good idea. <laughs> but 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 I'm curious. I think that the listeners of the show would be very interested to hear about that and and why that acquisition and why then in in the story of Lee Pages. Yeah, so a couple things. You know, I think that when it came to options that were on the table, for our business, again, given that we were serious and not effing around, you know, real companies do acquisitions. Now they don't have to, but it's certainly in the cards. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that I, you know, prior to us coming around, like no one in our space was doing these kinds of things. And I had, you know, been aware of Rob Walling from Drip for some time. He's just an incredible product and engineering leader. And they had just done a lot of things right with that product. They had two lines of test code for every for every line of production code. It, it was just an incredibly high quality product. A lot of people who I uh, respected immensely were were using it and and raving about it. But uh, you know, so so that's kind of like the the product story. But the kind of the business story was we did some back of the napkin math and we realized that by virtue of a company using a tool like lead pages to you know 2x to 4x the number of leads they were getting in their business we were we actually had made more money for the companies that we integrated with right <laughs> the email service providers mailchimp right. um, you know active campaign infusionsoft all the we had made more money for those companies than we had for ourselves and we had made we had made a lot of money for ourselves so um, it 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 made sense to do it. And I think it was one of the most probably important. There's, there's a a number of really important lessons out of this. One is that metered pricing is incredibly powerful. So when you're using a tool like lead pages, there is a ceiling on how much can someone can spend for a product like ours, right? If you have the, you know, the third tier, 
that's the most you can pay us. And that's the most we can really make sense. Uh, you know, that's the most we can kind of justify uh, charging, whatever the, the highest tier is. Uh, meanwhile, products like MailChimp and HubSpot and just that entire sort of market of products charge on a metered basis. So if you if, if you have a billion contacts, you're spending more than if you have, uh, you know, 500 million or if you have 2 billion contacts, you're spending more than if you have 1 billion. There's literally no ceiling on the amount someone can pay for that product because mm. you pay in tiny, tiny increments based on the size of your list. And there's a number of companies that operate in that way, like Amazon Web Services is an example of this. You can essentially sign up for free. You can develop a pretty complex product on top of it and pay hardly anything like cents or you know dollars per month. But by the time you flip the switch and that product is deployed at scale, you know, you can pay Amazon Web Services millions of dollars per year. Mm. And I like I like those kinds of businesses for for a few reasons. Uh, one is that the the product is kind of structured in a way where they only make real money when their customers are, are operating at scale. Yeah. And so so they 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 get paid when people are having success with with the product. And, you know, kind of thinking about that pretty deeply, one of the first things we did when we acquired Drip was we said, hey, if you have less than 100 contacts, you don't pay us anything. Like, we don't want to recognize revenue from an aspirational business that bought this because they were on a really good webinar and wanted the bonuses. Right. You know, we want to sell this. Uh, we only want to make money when you are a, a real uh, a real customer. So we left all that money on the table and, and I'm really glad it, it did because the incentives that exist in a business, especially when you're like over a hundred people, they can get kind of skewed if you're not super deliberate about them. So, um, yeah, so that's, so the two learnings there was just sort of like the value of the free plan, which is in huge. Again, so glad we did that. And also, uh, metered pricing is 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 a big deal. Uh, again, this doesn't work when you're selling to people who are just starting a business for the first time. You know, and you know, one of the things we looked at was the revenue streams of competitive products, and we realized that if they came out with a free plan similar to ours, most of our competitors in this space would lose about you know between a third and um, third to a little bit more of that in their revenue. Right, like huge massive layoffs you know, shutting down of buildings, like gnashing of teeth. So most of the companies in our space could not have offered a free plan because it literally would have put them out of business sure. or um, done really bad things to them. So we're like, right now, when we're when we're at the size that we're at, um, we're going to offer this now because if we wait to do this even a year from now, you know, the amount we're going to have to give up by introducing this free plan is is like it's not going to be good. And, and of course, we went into like 6x that business, right? Uh in, in the in the following twelve months, um, which is huge for us, and and I mean you you but you did it though, you know in in a way that was classy. There wasn't any cheap you know marketing gimmicks thrown in or or anything like that. Like you said, you looked after the little guys until they weren't so little anymore, um, and you allowed people to ultimately get involved at the level that they needed to be at. And I mean that at the end of the day just goes back to those blog comments years before where you just listened to people's problems and you provided solutions to them. That simple. 
Yep. Yep. I, that's true. And and what's also true is that you can't like cheap marketing gimmicks don't work on people for the most part with real businesses because it's really not about, you know, do I identify with this person? You know, do I want the 12 bonuses? It's about I have these goals in my business and is this going to help me accomplish them mm. better? You know, they, they don't they don't buy, um, you know, people with real businesses don't buy marketing tech like they buy clothing or fashion, you know, things. It's it's not about their identity or like what tribe they hang out in. It's more about solving actual problems and the utility value of, of yeah. what's being created. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's shift gears a little bit then. So, 2016, you put on your first conference with Converted, um, to which I was desperate to get to. But I just couldn't do it, you know. You know, dude, it's it's tough being oh, based no, all the way over in the Philippines, man. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, it was 2015, actually. Was it 15? You did the first was, one. So yeah. hang on. So what? You're three years in now with this? No, two years in. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Okay, so what? So when was the first one? Okay, so it was late 2015. Am I right? It was October 2015. Okay, yep. all right. So that's where I'm getting mixed up. Okay, so. I'm curious. I mean, we, you know, I just put on the Upana Summit for the first time in London uh, a few months back, and it was a raving success. People Thanks. absolutely loved it. Um, and we can't wait to do it again. Thank you. We can't wait to do it again next year. But it was a lot of work. Um, yeah. And I think there was two things that came up over and over and over again. The night before we, we kicked off, we had our pre-registration uh, at, at the Queen Elizabeth Convention Center there in, in London. And hundreds of people turned up and they were getting the bags and the badges and all the rest of it. And I was there just to sort of greet a few people for an hour or so. And they were all saying to me, you look incredibly calm right now like for a guy that's about to unleash this this you know two slash three day event for some people um you know who's been working on it for months and months and months and months you look very very calm and collected right now so i got a great team you know they all know what they're doing and blah 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 and then fast forward a few days later when the event has actually wrapped up i started getting all these emails saying dude you need a rest I mean, what, what, I'm just curious though, with everything going the way it was for you, um, and growth being as strong as it was, what convinced you to put together a, a live event? I mean, you didn't really need to do it, did you, at the end of the day? No, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that anyone really needs to do it unless their business model is built on like selling these hundred thousand dollar masterminds or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, no, we didn't need to do it. There was a couple things that we wanted. Like, we were big enough even then in 2015 that it was really important living in Minnesota in the middle of the country. It was really important for our employee base to uh, have important, significant encounters with our customer base in person. So that that was important to have sort of this many-to-many interaction with our customer base. Um, it, it also, you know, like I was going to fly all these speakers out to do, you know, round tables or, or fireside chats with our company. And so it's like, well, why not just do it at one time and invite other people? Right. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I just think it's, it's really important to remember why you're doing something. So I think just the intimacy of a personal event, uh, in-person event was important, shaking hands and ensuring that. Every single employee there, you know, we were over 100 people at the time, 
could have one-on-one encounters in person with our customers. It's, it's, it's so valuable. I think when you get bigger as a company, it's easy for the culture inside the building to become more salient than the culture outside the building and to start optimizing for the happiness of your coworkers or what someone in marketing thinks or you know there's 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 so many more inside the building signals than outside the building and we wanted to to make outside the building more salient so that was probably the biggest thing it did for us yeah, I love it. And I mean, you know, you, you get the opportunity to provide great content, you know, to get people together. That's the reason why I put on events myself. I just want to bring great people together. I get a real kick out of that. I mean, through Tropical Think Tank, you know, we did that four years in a row before we kind of put a little bow around it and kind of morphed into the summit. But with Tropical Think Tank, what I loved about it is still now, today, literally on Facebook, I see three or four different tropical think tank attendees from i think three different countries i believe yeah american german and uh, sorry american australian and british all hanging out in australia together wow like actually and they all met for the very first time in the philippines of all places right so they travel from all i mean this for me is what kind of really gets me going i love this stuff It, it, it really does so all right as we wrap up here, I want to sort of morph a little further. I mean, you know, Lead Pages is is a great ride. You're still involved. You're still chairman of the board. You're still involved with the firm and, and you know, all that sort of type of thing. But you are, as do a lot of um, entrepreneurs, pivoting a little bit with something new, um, which is called Nomics, nomics.com for you guys tuning in. Um, and this is kind of, I mean, you know, the, the exact definition you're using here is that it's the Yahoo Finance for crypto. Yep. Um, now, this is an area of, of business and investments I have zero uh, experience in, nor, to be very honest with you at this point, any exper- any real interest in either. <laughs> um, but obviously, it's blowing up like crazy. So I think really two two questions. Number one where did the idea come from? Um, and then number two, how much do you think your personal brand and the brand that you've built up around your involvement with Lead Pages is going to kind of help you get this off the ground? Yeah, so good question. The idea came from looking at businesses that I, I really respected, businesses like Twilio and Syngrid and AWS, Amazon Web Services, that were essentially utility companies in a lot of ways, digital utility companies that powered so many other uh, apps and services. And I, I really like that that kind of business model. So, um, you know, we, we started, I started looking at the crypto space back in 2013 when I first started buying Bitcoin and getting involved in the space. And unfortunately, wow, okay. it, it, it blew up like right as we were starting to launch Nomics. And, and uh, my fear for a second was that we looked like we were just kind of following trends versus, you know, being thoughtful about mm. something that I'd been passionate about for a long, long time. But I, I really appreciate a, a good example of this is, is, is a business like Syngrid. Syngrid doesn't have to worry about if mobile's trendy right now. They don't have to worry about if they need to do, you know, search engine optimization for, for Alexa. 
they they need to buy they need to power these sort of smart backend services that a whole bunch of other products are built on top of. So Nomics is is actually two parts. There's the front end, which is going to be free and it's probably always going to be free. I can't even imagine us having a paid version of it. But that is the goal of that is to be, you know, like Google Finance for crypto or Yahoo Finance for crypto. Mm-hmm. And powering that is a backend API, which is indexing every single trade and every single order that's happening on every single exchange across the entire cryptosphere. So we're we're swallowing a whole lot of data. We're ingesting a whole lot of data. And the goal is that 10 years from now, when this space is, you know, perhaps 100 times bigger than it is right now, we will still have every single trade from every single exchange and every single order that's happened in the cryptosphere, you know, back to the beginning of time. So what's what's most impressive about Google is not necessarily their search algorithm. There's a lot of smart data scientists that could create something like that. What's Mm -hmm. most impressive about Google is the fact that they're indexing the entire web multiple times per day. So uh, we're taking, again, every single transaction and every single trade that happens in the cryptosphere, and we're putting it behind one API that a hedge fund or a family office or an institutional investor or e- even an app creator can access very quickly. So this isn't the, this isn't a consumer product that someone's going to go and, and buy from our website. This is um, again the, the it's it's more like a utility company. Sure, and yeah. It's kind of going to be a tax on the space. Okay. All right. So then. I mean, okay, good, great, great answer. <laughs> I've got, I've got absolutely no follow up there, so except for the personal brand element. Yeah, the personal let's, brand. Let's talk about that because that's really where I think this audience is going to be quite interested, due to the fact yeah. that you know, pivoting is one of those things. I mean, we all have ideas where we want to pivot, and that's why I'm such a big um, believer of the personal brand because it allows you to take people with you if they like you, they want to carry on working with you, following you, learning from you, et cetera, et cetera. So how does that come into what you're doing here now then? You know, I think I think it helps with regards to access to the media. I think if mm-hmm. we ever do decide to do fundraising, I'll have access to capital pretty easily, um, although it's, we're completely self-funding and, and I don't know that there'll ever be a reason to not just self-fund, perhaps, I don't know. But the truth is it's it's been good for that kind of initial umph and breaking into a new space. Um, so so there are some plus sides. I think the downside is that a lot of marketers, especially information marketers, are just awash. They're, they're very kind of like drawn to hype and there's a lot of kind of scammy info products. So I'm always, you know, every other day I hear from someone who's like, hey, I'm starting some paid crypto newsletter thing. You know, I followed you. Would you mind sharing this thing? And I'll go to the page and it'll just look horrific. You know, I I don't think people should really be paying for information in this space. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on on sort of, you know, investment advice and tips. Uh, I think all the good stuff is is free right now. Sure. I would agree with you 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I think and also the market that I was sort of um, focused on before with lead pages has been, you know, small and medium sized businesses and, and it's a different customer base. But I think in terms of that, getting that initial kind of inertia and oomph, it's, it's been really helpful. I also think the experience of 
being at lead pages, growing a you know a company to over a hundred people, knowing what a rock solid COO looks like, knowing what a, a development lead looks like, you know, having paid an insane amount of money to do national international executive searches and and knowing what that's like, you know, being at um, uh, LP dinners with the people that sort of are the folks that fund venture capital funds and, mm-hmm. and sitting with people that have a billion under management, you know, ha- being in those circles and, and being associated with people that run in those circles, you know, it's, it's not a panacea, but it does help you think in different ways. So I, I think the experience of having done lead pages has been absolutely vital knowing how to acquire a company, knowing sure. what that process looks like, knowing, you know, the, the, the person that helped us with that acquisition was the same company that did the nest acquisition with Google. Like it's just, I feel plugged in in a way that I wasn't before in like every respect, not just the personal brand. Sure. But it, it, it has been, it probably, it, I'm probably just discounting it cause I don't know what it's like to not have it anymore. <laughs> No, that's, that's, I mean, that's a fair comment to make as well, because I mean, it kind of, as you, as you've grown your businesses, I think as I have grown mine as well, you, I mean, you don't necessarily take the personal brand for granted. I mean, I'm now personally focusing on it more today than I probably ever have done before. But through the years, if I look back and I see what happened from one company to another when we acquired, you know, a franchise uh, and then when we sold one of our, you know, one of the arms of our business back in 2015, I mean, I look through these little parts of the journey and I think, you know what? Holy crap, that really did help. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it it does. It, it, you have to look back on it in a retrospective sort of manner from time to time to really see how important, you know, relationships were and people's perception of you before you even walked into the room uh, and those sort of types of things. Oh, that's totally true. I remember, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like- you know, like just little things like when I when I reach out to someone, they can go to my LinkedIn profile and see yes, what's happened. They can yes. see that people follow me on Twitter. You know, all these kind of nuanced and multifaceted like social proof signals. I, I do think that's important. You know, the 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 fact that you know that th- there's just a lot of things that go into that. So I I think you're right. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I was about to say I I remember sitting in a meeting with lawyers and one of the lawyers turned around and said to me chris you need to teach us how to use twitter (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love stuff like that it's just hilarious anyway all right clay collins thank you for coming on the show man what a great talk let's try not to wait so long before we get you back on again another four years (laughs) (laughs) just shockingly bad shockingly bad the two of us but no it was great to have you on man i do appreciate it congrats on everything that you've done uh with lee pages again as a as a customer i couldn't be any happier with what you do for us uh and i think that um you know i think regardless of Whatever venture you get involved with, you know, the, the history that you bring and the experience you bring to it is going to mean that uh, it's going to be a raving success. So good luck with everything, man. I appreciate that, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It was a fun discussion. Yeah, it was. And for you guys tuning in, thank you for being here. I always say that you could be listening to any podcast right now, but you chose mine little old moi and i thank you very much for that uh we'll be back at you again next week until then show notes links to lee pages and everything else that clay and i discussed today over at chrisducker.com forward slash episode 270 i'll be back at you again next week bye for now
If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com today. I'll see you on the inside.